Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Amateur Gourmet Podcast. I'm your host, the Amateur Gourmet, Adam Roberts. And before we get to this week's guest, I just want to give you a heads up that if you are subscribed to my Amateur Gourmet Substack newsletter, which you very well should be, you will still get that newsletter every Monday and if you're a paid subscriber every Thursday, but I am no longer hosting my podcast on Substack. So if you want to get the podcast every week, you should subscribe to it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you normally listen to podcasts. And you will now get the podcast every Monday, no longer on Wednesday, and no longer is there going to be an extra bonus episode. It's all going to be one full meal in and of itself. So those are some changes. Just want to give you a heads up. And now for this week's guest. My guest this week is a remarkable recipe writer, baker, um, TikToker. Her name is Jessie Sheehan, and she is the author of the brand new cookbook, Snackable Bakes, and I am truly obsessed with it. In fact, I brought this book today to a car wash because I'm having a dinner party tomorrow, and I wanted to find a dessert to make, and so I went through it, and I landed on these uh, grapefruit graham cracker bars, pink grapefruit graham bars, sort of like lemon bars. I'm so excited about it. So anyway, our theme this week is what makes a great recipe. And Jessie gets all into how she thinks of a recipe, how she comes up with a recipe, how she tests it. So if you've ever thought about writing a recipe, this is the episode for you. And so without further ado, here is my talk with Jessie Sheehan. All right. Well, Jesse, welcome to the podcast. I have to tell you, I have your new book, Snackable Bakes, and I'm obsessed with it. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> Congratulations. I mean, this is, I mean, I, I get a lot of cookbooks and I buy a lot of cookbooks and usually I flip through them and I find like three to four recipes that I want to make. Literally every recipe in this book I want to make. In fact, I just made one that was amazing. So, oh my God, that makes me so insanely happy, obviously. And, um, yeah, like, I mean, gosh, when people have a reaction like that to something that you've written and like, whatever, of course, like poured your like blood, sweat and tears into it is just like so thrilling and um, exciting. Well, it's I mean, there's so much I want to ask you about it. I, I realize that like every episode I do on this podcast, I choose a theme and I didn't tell you in advance, like what the theme will be. But I think what I want to ask you about today is just recipes, like writing well, recipes, thinking about recipes, testing recipes, because I was reading your bio and you started out testing recipes for people, right? A hundred percent. And also, I just have to say that's like my favorite topic. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, because I think there's, a, I think a lot of people have very strong opinions about recipes and what they should be and what they shouldn't be. So, one hundred percent. And this book in particular, which like you wouldn't necessarily know from from looking at it, I had to write it in a year. Like it was a super, super crazy, crazy expedited process. So I was literally like a year ago today working on like chapter two of the book, like literally wow. developed everything um, in a very short period of time. So I have lots to say about testing <laughs> and speed and how, you know, people always want to know how many times did you test it? Like, when do you know a recipe is done? But just to go back a little bit to what you asked me about. Yes. Like I totally got my start in this whole world of food and baking and sweets, um, testing recipes for other, well, working in a bakery, but then testing recipes for the people that were running the bakery. And well, I so think I, I read that you were I baked with Matt and Renato. <laughs> and it's so funny because like that's, they, they, they're the reason that I have a career basically, because they introduced me to their literary agent, who I believe is your literary agent too. Well, this is so insane because they're <laughs> yeah. the reason I do too. Because they yeah. introduced me to Judy Linden, 
who uh-huh. is, works with Allison, who's your agent and their yes. agent, Stone Song. So 100. Yeah. I didn't what know mentions. Yeah, they're mentions. They really yeah. they, they, they just did it out of the goodness of their hearts. So you oh. were working at Baked, which was amazing. 100. Red Hook. Yeah. Wow. And I live in Red Hook, so it was oh, like okay. a kind of, you know, perfect storm. And I was like on my third career and I wasn't sure what I was doing. And I just kind of I've I've never been I had never been a baker. I didn't grow up around bakers. I didn't know how to bake, but um, I loved sweets and had this mm-hmm. voracious sweet tooth. So I thought like, oh, well, maybe I want to learn how to make all these things that I love purchasing and eating um, and literally walked into baked and said, like, can I be an apprentice an intern? Like, please just like, show me what you guys do. And I guess in the, in the same Menchie way that they generously shared their, their um, literary agents name and number with you, they took me on and, and, and got, I won't, I will say it was free labor. So who can blame them? But, <laughs> um, at least in the beginning, but it, I got super lucky because not only did I get there and then get to learn how to do everything it is they do. And for those of your listeners that don't know, the, the baked bakery and then the baked cookbooks that came out of the bakery kind of are these, um, I think, like super iconic, um, amazing looking books that people mm-hmm. should definitely take a peek at because they are so of the moment, even though these books were written. I mean, I started working with them 16 years ago, even though these these books were written a decade and a half ago. I mean, don't mm-hmm. you think, Adam? It's crazy. I, I use those books all the time. They're incredible. And especially the first one when it came out. I mean, I, I cooked oh my, my way God. through it. So, oh yeah. God, it like blew people's minds. Um, but anyway, their, their kind of baking is just like mine, which is like this very Americana, old school mm-hmm. comfort baking, you know, like cakes with lots of frosting and jumbo cookies and muffins and cinnamon buns. And so... For me, it was a perfect place to learn and a perfect place to get even more excited about baking and food. And I got super lucky because soon after I started there, they were working on that infamous first book that you referred to. (laughs) And they kind of needed someone. This is also something that's interesting to talk about when we talk more, when we go deep on recipes, but they needed someone to test those recipes and they wanted that person to not be a professional. Mm -hmm. So that's always like an issue that recipe developers have to think about. Who do I want to test this recipe I just developed? Do I want someone who doesn't know anything about what they're doing? So I really know if it works Mm -hmm. or do I want someone who knows what they're doing? So if I um, I won't use foul language on your podcast. <laughs> no, so you I, can. Feel free. So, yeah. <laughs> so if I fucked up, will yeah. I have someone um, who will say, "What this yes. leavening has to be wrong. I'm not even testing it. I'm switching, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, I so totally get that. Yeah, I just used my Instagram followers to test the cookbook because um, I have a Broadway cookbook coming out in the fall. Yeah. And I, I just was like, I want real people to test these recipes. I don't yep. want to have like a professional do it. So yeah, I think that's a good way to go about it. How did that go for you? Great. Although I promised them an acknowledgement in the book. So what got, what got really crazy was like, I made a spreadsheet of every name because there were 50 recipes and like yeah. two testers per recipe. And yeah. I, my biggest fear was that I, I forgot somebody like that somehow like in the mix, like I lost an yeah, email. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. when it comes out, if I, I really hope I don't get any hate mail from somebody. Oh, I know. Or like the Amazon, like negative review, which is really yeah. from the tester you forgot to mention. Actually um, one, one tester really hurt my feelings. And, and we actually had like a tip, like she was like, do not put this in the book. It's disgusting. And I was like, well, another tester tested it and it was, they thought it was delicious. And then 
and then she, and then the woman like called me thin skinned. I don't know. It just got really ugly. Oh so, my god! Yeah. I mean, that sounds so scary and dangerous. Which I think <laughs> is why I stay. I love my Instagram followers, but I'm I stay away from them. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, what was so what Matt and Otto wanted was somebody who kind of. I mean, I was sort of perfect. I kind of knew what I was doing, but not really. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was absolute like. I didn't, I thought I was like in some kind of crazy, like lottery winning job because suddenly they were giving me recipes to take home to my own kitchen to make and eat. I mean, maybe they wanted me to bring it in to like have them taste it too. But like, I was just like, I'm getting paid. And then the money they they were starting to pay me, I'm getting paid to like make recipes. And I'm a former lawyer. So I kind of like the nerdy um, specificity and rigidity of recipe writing and ingredients. I love taking all my little notes on their recipe and helping them refine it and make it better. And for me, it was just like a perfect storm. Like this could not be more fun. And mm-hmm. I was just at the testing stage. I had never even developed a recipe, but I just thought it was the best. Well, we have and- something in common, which is that I went to law school and ah! ended up being a food writer because I I didn't like law school. And yeah. so I started cooking to sort of like keep my sanity while I was there. And that's when yeah. I started my food blog. But I think that's so fascinating. This I've heard that before of like people who end their career as a lawyer or something and yeah. then get into like baking or opening yeah. a bakery yeah. or something. So you did it. And so was that a was it like sort of like that movie Baby Boom with um, Diane Keaton where she moves to the country and makes applesauce for you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except minus the, minus the country and like prairie dresses and <laughs> hats. Um, but it was very much, um, I actually loved law school because I really like, I like school a lot and test. Mm-hmm. I like being like tested and like trying to be like a goody two shoes. Um, but I hated practicing mm. because I, I hated fighting and I was a litigator and I didn't understand why we couldn't settle every single case we got. And mm. I, I basically clerked for a year, practiced for two, went on maternity leave almost 19 years ago when my first son was born. And I joke, I am still on maternity leave um, <laughs> but I don't That's think I'm back. <laughs> but um so everything about testing recipes spoke to me and then I got even more like hit the jackpot lottery this is insane opportunity because Matt and Nato wanted me to develop recipes for the book so mm-hmm. after testing I think I think I tested the first two um they started having me develop recipes and by baked occasions I had developed you know I think I developed at least half of them, if not more. So they really um, relied on me to help them, which was an amazing opportunity for me. And um, again, even more kind of understanding like, oh, this is a job. Like, I think like everyone, no one really imagines like, oh, I know what I'm going to do when I grow up. I'm going to be a recipe developer. (laughs) But you start doing it and you realize, oh, this actually is totally a thing. Well, what's so fun? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally in awe of you that because, like, I feel like baking recipes. I mean, it's funny you talked about law school being fastidious and note taking. Yeah. Because I do feel like baking is so precise. And yeah. you know, when I was working on the cookbook um, that I did, like, my favorite mm-hmm. recipes to write about were the savory ones, like where like uh-huh. I made like some something you know, like heirloom tomato salad with like peaches or you know things like where yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. just add some basil add some tarragon like just yeah, very yeah. casual but what I find so remarkable about snackable bakes your wonderful new book is I'm going to hold it up in case we do a, a video um I'm going to hold it like up. you've done something extraordinary here which I think like to make it super simple but novel like it's I think it's one thing to have simple recipes but 
oftentimes if you get a book of simple recipes, they're all sort of standard recipes that you've seen mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. but, if, but sometimes if you get a book of novel recipes that are like unique, they're not so simple. So I love this yeah. book because they're all kind of have like little tweaks and twists and fun little like, you know, unexpected little flourishes. But then there's also just they're just so simple. I mean, the one that I made was the blackberry lemon yogurt cake. I use sour cream because I didn't have yogurt. I hope that's OK. I saw that. I love that. <laughs> I read your newsletter. I love that. <laughs> OK, um, <laughs> but it was incredible because it's all in one bowl and you just yeah. stir it all together. How? Let's start with that one. So we're going to talk okay. about recipes. So let's talk about the blackberry lemon yogurt loaf. Okay. How did you come Perfect. up with that? Perfect. And I'm going to pull it up too, um, because I don't know about you and recipe writing, but like, I forget. I'll literally be like Googling when I'm searching, when I'm doing research on a recipe and I'll be like, who wrote that? Oh, I did. Like, I can't <laughs> even remember, but, but that may be because funny. I'm an old lady. Um, <laughs> so this is what's interesting for, at least in my experience about writing this particular book, because my, I have written, this is my third book, but my first two books were much more niche as my literary agent will call them in the <laughs> sense of the first one was about icebox cakes. So although it was a book about coming up with flavors of 25 different icebox cakes, you were really hamstringed by the structure that is mm -hmm. an icebox cake. Um, my second book was called The Vintage Baker. Again, I was taking old fashioned recipes and twisting and tweaking them for the 21st century baker. So again, I was hamstringed basically by someone else's recipe that I was just going to change. This book was kind of exciting and also overwhelming because it was basically like, OK, you're writing in, quote, easy peasy baking book of 100 recipes. Now come up with 100 sweets mm -hmm. and treats. And so essentially, Adam, like this recipe was about like, OK, this is the fruit chapter. I want to have a loaf cake. I've already used blueberry. <laughs> I mean, literally, <laughs> this is how it goes. Oh, okay. Like there was a blueberry galette in the book already. I personally adore blackberries. So I knew I, so I wanted to put them somewhere. So this seemed like a good place. Yes. Um, again, this, I mean, this is going to sound so unsexy and not fun for people who think they might want to do this for a job or whatever. But, you know, then you think, okay, the other cake I used had buttermilk in it. Mm -hmm. This one, what about doing something different and calling for yogurt? Okay. People like lemon. So that's sort of how, well, and this is also an interesting thing. And I don't know if you write books like this or, or think about it this way, but when I'm writing a book, the first thing I do is come and you kind of have to do this when you submit a proposal, but I come up with a table of contents, a mm -hmm. list of all of the recipes that are going to be in the book. So what I just described kind of happens first when I'm coming up with my table of contents and I'm looking at the fruit chapter per se and realizing that cake is in a square and that cake is a 13 by nine. So I want to do a loaf. I've already used blueberries. That's sort <laughs> of how right. the flavors come to be. It's It's not like... I sit down in the morning like, OK, today I'm going to make one of the recipes for my fruit chapter. Let's see. I think I'll call for blue. It's already <laughs> written down. And do you regret ever? Like, do you like because yes. I wrote a proposal that we're, we went out with, we might go out with again. And I did exactly that. And I listed like I think it was 75 recipes. Yeah. And then I, there was some point like when once we submitted it. Um, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to actually have to make these recipes. <laughs> like, like there's, there were things in there. I was like, I think right, one of them right. was like Szechuan peppercorn steak au poivre, which I was like, that would be kind of interesting. But yeah. then I was like, wait, how am I going to do that? I, that sounds insane. Yeah. 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 So totally. you have that I moment. I would say that happens sometimes. I'm trying to think of a good example of it, but of course I can't. I would say that happens sometimes, but I am pretty careful when I'm coming up with the names to try to think like, does that actually work? Mm -hmm. And 
the beauty of the easy peasy book is you're not pulling, you're not really coming up with any crazy ingredients or things that might not work, mm-hmm. you know, like a flourless popover with like a cheesy cranberry, you know, it's right. you're, you're keeping it pretty simple to begin with. So they're probably going to work. I will say, Adam, and it's funny that you made this recipe because I think I say it in the head note. Yeah, I did. This was the hardest recipe in the friggin' book. Really? Even though it was the, it was just a loaf cake. And it's because um, I, I was committed to this. This is like both a good thing and a bad thing about me. I become like obsessed with something, a little OCD, I guess, and I can't let it go. So I'd come up with this blackberry lemon yogurt cake. I love the way that like kind of came off the tongue. I love the idea of it. Like I said, I love blackberries, but blackberries are tricky friggin' berry to bake with. I've had trouble with them in pies. In the vintage baker, there's a blackberry lime pie. They take forever to actually gel. So people mm-hmm. never bake the pie long enough and they, uh, they get upset because it's like a liquidy filling. Um, and then in this particular loaf, what I found is that they kept sinking. Mm. And I was desperate to have, and you, it looks like you achieved it. I mean, in the slice I saw in your newsletter, they were, you know, sprinkled throughout, but. And they were so pretty too. Like it just looked beautiful too, but that's so interesting. Okay. Yeah. They were really hard. You know, that's why I have that trick where I have you put most of them into the batter. And then I have you put more on top because I figured if some sink, at least we'll have a few more on top. Um, But it proved very challenging to get it to work. And most people who are like smart and not crazy like me um, (laughs) would have just said, you know what? We're doing frigging blueberries. I don't care. Or maybe a blackberry galette, Um, you know, like but but this is not going to work with blackberries. Anyway, sorry to be so <laughs> long-winded. No, it's fine. But that's that's an example of like I get so wedded to my mm-hmm. idea of what I want something to be. Like I'm that person, Adam, who like starts the book and realizes a hundred pages into it, I really don't like it, but I won't stop. It's like if I start, I have to finish. Got it. Well, and I think for me, like the the I have so many questions about like just the process for you. Yeah. Because like I, I think it's interesting with your legal background. Um to me, one of the intimidating parts about coming up with a baking recipe is the concept of like originality, like, like with a chocolate chip cookie, it feels like with a chocolate chip cookie, there's only so many ratios of brown sugar, um, flour, eggs, butter, it's always going to be those ingredients. So do you get nervous if you come up with a chocolate chip cookie recipe? I'm not sure. Is there one in here? I didn't No. Okay. But like, if you, let's just say chocolate chip cookie, and then you do it, you test it, and then you realize, oh my God, this is so close to somebody else's chocolate chip cookie recipe. Does that worry you or are you just- A hundred friggin' percent, like up, yeah. in, up in the middle of the night. Is that too similar? Oh no. What I try to do with every recipe and with every recipe in this book, like there's a Dory recipe that is a yogurt cake. There's an mm-hmm. Ina recipe that is a yogurt cake. There's a Deb Perlman recipe that is a yogurt cake. So I, what I try to do is do a, a lot of research before I go with it. Like, I, I'm sorry, like, as you may have noticed, or maybe not, but I'll share with your listeners. There's like a recipe for basically like a TikTok um, candy that I started making early in the pandemic, which is basically you crush Oreos with cream cheese, roll them into balls <laughs> and dip them in white chocolate. Yeah. Like I wasn't terrible. It's so good, but I wasn't terribly worried that like, oh no, what if someone else has made? Right. Because 
it's it's that kind of recipe. With something like this, I definitely worried about that. How much flour are people using? What kind of leavening are people using? How many berries are people using? What's how is mine different? Like, right. I'm, Googled it. There are probably other blackberry lemon yogurt loaves on the internet. But what just I, so people understand though, because I think this this comes up a lot for people. Like it's a common question, which is this isn't an issue though of legality. It's an issue of ethics, right? It's like I don't want to publish a recipe that's somebody else's recipe, but it's not like they're gonna sue you great, for yeah, stealing their clarif- recipe. Yeah, great clarification. It's more how I would feel at the, you know, at the, in the courtroom of my peers or whatever the judgment of my peers. It's that I don't want people to be like, she doesn't even come up with her own recipes. Mm -hmm. That's what you live in mortal fear of. Exactly. No one's going to say like, oh, take the book off the shelves. Dory Greenspan has a recipe with, with yogurt in it. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Um, But I think you're exactly right. At least for me personally, and you're right with baking, it's tough. I spend a lot of time both researching in my cookbooks, which of course I love to do. It's more time consuming. So I don't, particularly with this book where I was trying to write it quickly, I don't, I didn't spend a ton of time with my books. Although, as we all know, now all the recipes we love from Dory's books and Ina's books and Martha's, they're all online anyway, but anyway, mm-hmm. but um, just regardless of that, um, I spend a ton of time researching what's out there that is similar to what I want to make and trying to find a way to make mine different. And, you know, maybe it's an extra egg yolk. Like I love yolk. I love using a lot of yolks in my baking. I love using a lot of vanilla in my baking. Mm-hmm. I love using a lot of brown sugar in my baking. So I think I have kind of almost like signature ingredients or signature um, uh, ways of doing things that I will incorporate into the recipes to try to make them a Jesse Sheehan recipe. Well, that's funny because it makes me like think about the concept of voice, like finding your voice and the fact that you ended your career as a lawyer and started working at Baked not knowing anything. It seems like somewhere along the way, you must have found your own individual voice, but where did that happen and how did that happen? Great question. I mean, I would say that I am my, my, my voice or the things that I like in baked goods are not crazy different than Matt's who was Mm -hmm. one of the bakers at baked. Like he and I definitely would bond, you know, when I would be developing recipes for him and in his voice, you know, he would say, I love brown sugar. I love this. I love that. Mm -hmm. Those are important things to me to see in recipes. And that helped me develop things that worked for him, but it also helped me figure out what I liked. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also say something that you said before that you liked about this recipe was the fact that you made it in one bowl. Mm -hmm. That was also a super kind of, that was something that I, that's a technique for assembling baked goods that I use throughout the book is without calling this a one bowl baking book. Mm -hmm. It's not, there are moments where a a streusel has to be made in a separate bowl. I really do that. Like really Adam, the book I wanted to write was like the one bowl baker. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to write a one bowl baking book. Judy and I did not have as good as, as, as much luck selling that as we did this one, but it's Mm -hmm. the same concept, but essentially Deb Perlman, um, I can't even remember which recipes it was. And I actually, um, write about it in the beginning of the book where I explained the technique that it was inspired by her. And she, um, had this technique where she would, in order to one bowl a recipe, I'm using that as a verb, she would would rather than start a recipe with a bowl of dry ingredients, which is how most recipes start. You put your leavening, your baking soda, your baking powder, your salt and your flour in a bowl, you whisk it and you set Mm -hmm. it aside. Then you make your wet ingredients. And at the end, you add the flour, the, the dry. Deb's way of doing it 
and she says she didn't invent it. I like to think she did, but um, <laughs> is to, you know, mix your wet ingredients. So that right. would be eggs and your sugar and your oil or your butter and maybe your vanilla, maybe your buttermilk, mix that all up in a bowl, then add the leavening one at a time, whisk them in, add the salt one at a time, add the flour at the end and you're done. I think I invented this because this is how I've always made chocolate chip cookies. Cause I'm not because I'm like an innovator, just cause I'm lazy. I just put the butter oh, in sugar I, and then I just dump in all the leavening yes, and the flour. I yeah. have to say, that's what people have said to me. They're like, Oh, I always did that, but I'm such a rule follower again, uh, back to the lawyer that I would never do that unless a recipe mm, told me to got and it. I them do it. And then I saw Melissa Clark do it on a New York times YouTube video, maybe about her making snacking cakes, I think. And I was just like, these people are these geniuses that I adore and look up to, et cetera, et cetera, are doing this really cool thing. I want to use this in snackable bake. So again, back to our earlier conversation about whether you're afraid of using someone else's recipe. I wrote to Deb and said, is it okay with you if I use this? And she mm -hmm. was like, well, I did not invent it, but sure. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, um, she was very nice, but um but that to me, that feels special to me. I mean, yes. maybe everybody does it, but to me, that will make a recipe of mine a little bit unique because mm -hmm. in terms of copyright, as I understand it, in terms of a recipe, and again, as you and I said, that's not really what I'm worried about here, but you don't want to steal from someone. Right. And one way of not stealing, in addition to having different ingredients or different ingredient amounts, is to assemble something in a different way. Right. And I don't think most most baking books, as far as I know, um, are not assembling, the, the recipes are not assembled in the manner that I ask you to assemble them. Mm -hmm. And the other thing to note, and then you sh really should tell me to shut up if I'm talking too much. <laughs> no, it's, it's all very interesting. Okay, me. good. The <laughs> other thing to note is that, um, is that because the recipes in this book are so simple and easy, I don't want anyone to pull out a stand mixer to mix up a cookie or to mm. mix up a cake. So everything calls for either oil or melted butter. There's no- Yes, I was actually gonna ask you about that. That was my next question because when I was making this cake, I had the thought, I was like, well, this calls for half a cup of vegetable oil or was it canola oil? One of the neutral yeah. oil. And yeah. then I was like, I wonder why it's not melted butter. And I actually don't know the answer. So I'm curious why, what's the difference? And how do you think about that? So um, first of all, I will say that you could totally make this cake with melted butter. And back to my earlier um, point about trying to make, you know, when you have a hundred recipes, you got to give people, you got to give your readers diversity of recipe and diversity of ingredient. So mm -hmm. Adam, honestly, it was probably that I had just done something with melted butter <laughs> in that chapter. And I wanted this to be, you know, because they are totally interchangeable. The only thing I'll say that makes oil like a fraction easier than melted butter is that you do not have to stick that melted butter on the stovetop or in a microwave to get it to that state. And then you uh -huh. don't have you know, with oil, you just pour it in. But does but butter have more flavor to it? So here's what I would say about oil versus butter. First of all, and I, I, I have said this about myself in the past, like I'm not trying to throw myself under the bus, but I don't <laughs> always have the most like sophisticated palate where I'm like, just a minute, it's an oil cake. Where's the butter? Like, I just, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm the right person to, here's what I'll say. Yes, there is a difference. Yes, butter has more flavor, but oil offers you all these other things that butter yes. doesn't offer you, like an oil-based cake can sit on your counter. I mean, I'm not sure it's going to last that long, but it could sit on your counter probably a week, if not five or six days, and be just as moist. 
Oh my God, Jesse, I brought the rest of your cake to a gay pool party where everyone was in Speedos. And I was like, what? I was like, what a waste. These guys are not going to eat this cake. And so it just sat there and I was like, come on, this is like the most delicious cake. And then hopefully people ate it eventually. But yeah, that was not the the right place to bring your cake. Um, Sadly, I don't think anything in my book is right for a Speedo party. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, let's get down to the nitty gritty. So, okay, now I want to understand and how uh, someone with OCD who could endlessly test these recipes, how do you go about the process in terms of like being regimented, but not going so overboard that you're spending like thousands of dollars, like making it again and again and again, like what, what is the process like and for yourself before you give it to somebody else? Yeah. Also, I would say it's not only money, it's time. I mean, Mm -hmm. particularly for this book, it had to be done so quickly that I didn't even have the luxury of saying, you know, for each recipe, I'll spend three or four days just making it perfect. It was much more of like, I have this amount of recipes to get done in a week. I would say it's twofold. I mean, and obviously, they're, they're, it, recipe writing and developing takes different forms. For a cookbook, it's one thing. If I'm writing for, you know, Bon Appetit Online, or I'm writing for the Washington Post, or if I'm writing for The Kitchen or Food 52 or different companies and groups and magazines and newspapers that I work for, you know, of course I want it to be perfect, but I also know they're going to test it and, and work with me a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not to say that you don't want to make your recipe as perfect as possible, but mm-hmm. it, but it does feel a teeny bit different than when you're writing a cookbook where it's like going to be in a book and never going, you, there's no modifying, there's mm-hmm. no changing after the fact. Whereas, you know, all those other places, I mean, newspapers are a little different, but you feel like there's a little wiggle room. Right. With a, with a cookbook, what I chose to do this time is to to bring it full circle rather than hire. Cause in my prior books, I had like hired all the moms at my kid's school to be my test. <laughs> and by that's hired, I, I mean, given them a book, if they agreed to test a recipe, I didn't um, that's a good <laughs> deal. Maybe I should have children so I can get some recipe <laughs> testers. <laughs> but this book, I hired a friend of mine from who I used to work with at Baked, who has a far more sophisticated palate than mine is a much better baker than me is just like, you know, she's just, um, really, really nimble and amazing in the kitchen and as a, as a baker and human. Um, And I wanted her expertise. So I wanted to be able to send her something and say, I can't get the blackberries to stop sinking. Please make this cake and get the blackberries to stop sinking. Mm, Okay. Yeah. It's it's worth noting. She couldn't do it, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) Um, But I wanted someone who could, you know, because I knew I, like you said, I couldn't keep going until everything was perfect. Most things I kept going until it was perfect. And I just managed to do it quickly because I'm Mm -hmm. pretty good at this at this point. But some things that I couldn't, I could send to her and say, look, I made it. I don't think it's nutty enough. Can you make it nuttier? Or I made it. Do you think it's too sweet? Like, because I always make things too sweet. And she would say, yes, it's too sweet. I'm bringing down the brown sugar. But but if it begs the question, I don't know if that's the right phrase, because people are very get upset if you say it begs the question and it doesn't beg the question. But um, you were you were kind of disparaging yourself a little bit and saying, like, I don't have the most sophisticated taste. I don't have that. But you're also saying that you want it to be perfect. And that to me says that you do have sophisticated taste because you keep tasting these things until it's to your liking. So which is it? Totally. I would say, here's the thing though, Adam, sometimes my liking is too, is a too sweet liking. 
Okay. And so it's nice for me to have Stephanie, my tester, who's able, like I remember with my banana snacking cake, I remember saying, I think it's really good, but do you think it needs more sugar? Mm -hmm. And she could look at the recipe and be like, this is plenty of sugar. This Mm -hmm. is going to be great. So that kind of thing. Sometimes, I mean, I always joke in my own family, like my husband is super critical. My older son is more like me. Like if if it's good, he's going to like it. Mm -hmm. My younger son thinks things are too sweet. If I get my younger son and my husband to like something, it's done. Like 100%, everybody's going to like it. If I like it and my older son like it, it it still could be, (laughs) somebody might still find it too sweet. Do you know what I mean? So I love working with Stephanie because she could really, she could be that kind of, um, we didn't, I mean, Stephanie didn't write my recipe. She didn't change my recipes, but she could certainly say to me, Yes, I thought that was that that I think that'll be too sweet. I think we can leave it the way you wrote it. Or you know what? I'm going to even pull back on the sugar a little bit. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, so so as a starting point, because I think people who are listening to this, if they're inspired to make their own recipes after yeah. listening to this, are you at your computer in the first stage, like typing up a, an idea for how this will work? And then you go into the kitchen and then you print, I mean, you print out that version and then do that and like take notes and then do it again. Is that, is that the process or? Yes. So my process has totally changed over the years. It used to be all about a notebook and writing things down. And I would handwrite the recipe and bring the notebook into the kitchen and then work with it as I made the recipe. I no longer do that because I don't, I'm trying to be super efficient and I don't have time to then go back and redraft that recipe onto the computer. So the way I do it now is I write the entire recipe and I, I mean, I'm really trying to write it as perfectly as possible. Like even write the instructions. I don't always do instructions, but I try to get some instructions down. I definitely have the ingredients down, maybe with a note in the computer, Mm -hmm. you know, like try a quarter cup or blah, blah. But then I actually bring the whole computer into the kitchen, which is not Mm. the safest of moves. I do that too. Yeah, I get it. You know, but I can't, I don't even want to print it up and write notes on it because I don't want to then redraft the notes. Mm -hmm. I'm much better off if the computer's in the kitchen, it requires you wash your hands and it can, you know, you know, interfere with the process. But as I'm making it, I'll taste it and I'll be like, oh, this definitely needs more vanilla. And then I'll just change it right Right. there on the computer in the kitchen. Oh, you know what? It makes sense to put the buttermilk in first, or I don't think buttermilk will work. I'm going to change it to sour cream. I make all the changes on the computer in the moment. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, um, I interviewed Doris Greenspan once and she gave me advice, which was really helpful, which is to write the head note immediately after you make the recipe, because you'll forget like what, what, what you're excited about. And then that really, that that was true because I, I would have totally forgotten by the time I finished well, all the recipes. So yeah. interesting that she says that because that's exactly what I learned writing this book, mm-hmm. that it made much more, you know, it was just a couple of notes, but every recipe I would write like, you know, like for my hazelnut snacking cake, I would write with like this Nutella whipped cream. I would write like, you know, Nutella, like number one thing I love the most. <laughs> it's so great. Um, frosting is like a pillow, like just things that I thought of that didn't really mean anything, but it meant what the way I structured the writing of this book is I basically spent like June and July developing and testing recipes. And then I spent the month of August because the book was due at the end of August of the manuscript. Then I spent the month of August writing. Mm -hmm. And so then by in August, I could just look at the recipe, see those notes and turn that into a head note. So I, she's, I mean, of course, everything Dory says is hundred percent right, (laughs) but I happen to do that myself and completely agree with that tip. 
<laughs> well, I'm curious, like in your house, this is not really a recipe question. It's just out of curiosity. Like how often is there something being baked? Like, is there always like a cake in the kitchen? Like, That's a good is- question. I feel like people think that about me. And like, I have a friend, um, uh, you know, Grossi Pelosi, do you follow him on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. So Dan was asking me once like, oh, what are you baking this weekend? I'm like baking this weekend? I'm <laughs> relaxing. <laughs> oh, interesting. So it's a work thing. It's not a like lifestyle. Baking feels thing. like work. It's not lifestyle. I mean, I will, de- like I had a big, you know, July, I, t- I every July 4th, I have a ton of family here at my house. So I had like 20 guests for the weekend. And I did a lot of baking to prep for them. So it's it's more than lifestyle because it's not like I was like, oh, it's not work. I'll, I'll get it at the bakery. You know, I, I, I want to make everything from scratch. Um, and I really enjoy preparing things for people. But I don't, um, rarely am I like craving a cookie. So I walk into the kitchen and make myself cookies. <laughs> if, if somebody in my family, like if my husband or my kids was like, will you make that makes me feel good. So then I will make it for them. But I am not the kind of person, uh, the kind of baker who's like every single day something gets baked. See, that's or, what I thought. I'm glad I asked you because I was like imagining uh, your kitchen right now with like five cake stands oh, and like not at all. Not at cake all. and cookies. And yeah, not at all. I mean, it's interesting. I feel like for better or for worse, I think for better, I'm busy enough professionally that I am often baking every week because I have things I need to bake for work, mm-hmm. but not like, oh, I'm, you know, I think I'll make whoopie pie. Also, I don't have little kids anymore. I think that's different too. Like maybe if I had a couple of little kids running around and it would be either fun to bake with them, although don't tell, but I hate baking with kids Um, (laughs) or they were craving yummy things. And I wanted to be like the number one mom and make them for them. But I have like older teenagers and, you know, I mean, there is like a raspberry pie of mine in the kitchen right now. And some of my cornbread. So there's, it's around, but it's mostly because we had so many guests this weekend. And are your kids spoiled by you? Like, do they like go to someone they else's house are, and like yeah. this cookie's not good? Or you know. they are, but they're also um, so nasty and mean. I mean, they're not nasty. <laughs> they, are, they are like, I'm like, sweeties, homemade, no churn ice cream. And they're like, any Ben and Jerry's? I'm like, sweeties, homemade Oreos. They're like, any, you know, Oreos? Like, they, they kind of. What? Yeah. I'm going to move into your house and I eat know. all your food. That's ridiculous. We need to stage an intervention with your kids and tell them they're spoiled. That is awful. Wait, so I'm curious. This is also a sidebar. I mean, we talked a lot about recipes, so I feel like we're going to go down some other paths now. How do your kids feel about your TikTok stardom? Well, so in the beginning, when I first started in the beginning in March 2020, and I came home and said to my son, Jack, um, you know, sweetie, I'm going to start doing talk tick videos because I had been asked (laughs) to do them with a media company. And he was like, mom, no. TikTok. And I was like, okay, talk <laughs> tick. And then, and he was, he was kind of the younger, my younger son, who's much more into TikTok was kind of amused and, and, and thought it was crazy that my videos went viral right away. And actually in the beginning of the pandemic, before I figured out how to put the camera, like put the phone on a tripod, he shot them for me. Hmm. My older son, on the other hand, was really like embarrassed for me. <laughs> how can you, Oh mom, like, I feel so <laughs> bad for you. This is That's so, so funny. Embarrassing. So they each had a different response. And I would say now, um, I think they're like impressed that I have like a verified like check on Instagram mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe my younger one is still like, look at my mom on TikTok, but 
I would say there, there, if you could imagine a kid who was like so proud of their parents for killing it on social media, that is not my kids. <laughs> How old are your kids, by the way? Old. One of them is about to be 19 and one of them is 17. Okay. I mean, yeah, they're at that age where, you know, parents aren't yeah. cool. Um, yeah. Well, out of curiosity about like with TikTok, because you do recipes on there, how do you think about a TikTok recipe versus like a cookbook recipe? Such a good question. And the, the, the honest truth is that I don't because I just, whether I, uh, I don't feel like I have the time. And if I have the time, it's not how I want to spend it. Mm-hmm. I don't want two different platforms with two different um, kind of vibes. I just do it all. now that there's Instagram reels. I mean, in the beginning, the TikTok mm-hmm. videos stayed on TikTok because there was right. no, I wasn't going to put those on, on Instagram. But now that there are reels, I basically am making videos for reels which is where I put my energy and then putting them onto TikTok. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you start on reels and then put them on TikTok, but the yep. stuff that you're making is stuff that you're making anyway. Like you're not like developing right. recipes for social Correct. media. Correct. Okay. Like I won't, I, I mean, what I do when I develop recipes for social media, it's what I do to kind of thank someone for sending me a book of theirs or mm-hmm. to just show my, just show my support. So if I do a recipe that's on reels and TikTok that isn't one of my own, it's because, you know, like Lisa just sent me this fresh eggs cookbook. We okay. became friends on, on uh, Instagram and I'm going to make something from her book and turn it into a reel. So that's, oh, that's how so I, nice. Oh, yeah, that's how I'll like promote. Send me your book and I'll do the same thing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so do you now? Are you also a savory cook? Like, do you make no. savory? Food? I mean, no? I, I I savory cook in the sense that I love food and I love mm-hmm. to eat. And like I said about having all these people at my house, I love to have people over and to entertain and to make yummy things. But mm-hmm. I'm not somebody who's in the kitchen riffing on some savory dish that sounds exciting to me. I'll still like stumble upon things that I want to make and we'll clip them from the newspaper or, you know, save the link to something that I see in the times, let's say, or, um, but in general, that's not, I don't think it's fun to like go in the kitchen and be like, what am I going to cook for? I hate uh, dinner, Adam, so much. Oh, we're so the opposite. That's what I like. I like oh going God, like grabbing goodness. this and that and making dinner. Oh I hate cooking dinner. If my kids did not have to eat, I swear to God, I don't know what we would do. Cereal. <laughs> I mean, really? Yes. 100%. So, so you are truly a baker. I mean, baking oh, yeah. is in your blood. Now, yeah. have you ever, I'm sure you get asked this all the time. So forgive me, but have you thought about opening your own bakery? Yes, I get, I do get asked, um, including by my own husband. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't appeal to me. Like right. the production from working in a bakery. I'm, my only experience working in a bakery was it baked, but the production aspect of it isn't like, okay, now we're making 400 or not 400, but now we're making 40 scones. Now we're making 20 biscuits, you know, mm-hmm. that just does not kind of float my boat. Yeah. Um, so the production aspect doesn't appeal. And I think in a weird way, and I kind of realized this over the pandemic as we kind of all did, but I realized I'm like an extroverted introvert. Oh, me too. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. You so, lose energy. Really, yeah. yeah. I really realized that over the pandemic that like, I liked, I mean, I, whatever, I was very fortunate and, you know, I was well taken care of as was my family during the pandemic, but I liked being alone with the, with my family. Like I didn't miss being out all the time for book events and media event and all the stuff I do for work. And then just my social life with my friends that aren't, mm-hmm. 
I didn't miss that. Mm -hmm. So I think one thing about a bakery for me is I'm not interested in being that public and out in the world every day. Right. And I think to have a successful business, you really need to be like that doesn't appeal to me to deal with customers and have a staff. And I, I actually enjoy the fact that my work is solitary, that yeah. I get to wake up, be in the kitchen by myself, be at my computer by myself. I'm not like, you know, although sometimes working from home does feel lonely. And sometimes I feel like if I worked in like a prep, not a prep kitchen, like a commissary kitchen where I was renting a space, it would be amazing to be able to make things and have all these different people test them. I mean, mm -hmm. taste them for me. That right. I guess, like if nobody's home and I can't share something with either of my kids or my husband, I, that, that bums me out because I do like people to test my stuff before I send it off. But also it's like when you're, when you have a paying customer, I feel like the whole dynamic shifts because baking for friends or family or an event, it's always the attitude is, except for your children, but generally the attitude yeah. is like, oh my God, thank you. That's so kind of you. But as soon as someone's like $6 for a cupcake, you know, yep. I can, I, like, this sucks. Oh. Yeah. And then yeah. Yelp reviews. I mean, it's so funny. Yeah. I've, I recently became friends with somebody in LA who's a celebrity's assistant and he like talks me up to his, like these other assistants. And he's like, would you want to like make a dinner for, I can't tell you who the celebrity is, but you'll get paid and you'll cook. I was like, no, that sounds truly horrific. Like, I don't want to go to somebody's house and like be in that position where like, you know, they're like, oh, there's a lot of butter in it. You know, it's like, that just sounds awful. So I get yeah. it. Yeah, totally. Totally. You, you hit the nail on the head. So are you um, already thinking about your next cookbook or did you take I a little am. break? Okay. I know. I don't want to take a break at all. The other thing, I guess, again, I don't know if it's the lawyer in me. I don't know if it's the fact that my, from like almost like within the first few months of learning to bake, I was already working on cookbooks with Matt and Otto. It's like, <laughs> yeah. talk about it in your blood. Like that is the one thing that makes me feel really good. I mean, there are uh -huh. lots of other things that happen professionally that feel good. Like if you get a byline that's exciting and you're like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. But in general, what makes me feel really good is writing cookbooks and having them in the world. So I'm already thinking about another idea. I have a meeting with my agent, you know, online okay. um, or a phone call tomorrow to discuss it. So ah, okay. a few of them. But it's funny, Adam, I'm, I feel like you must really be an idea person because you just seem so creative. But I'm not an idea person when it comes mm -hmm. to books. I feel like I get one idea, like I bake easy peasy. I'm a <laughs> book about easy peasy. Like I just, I don't, I'm not that person who has like 20 ideas. Like, I want you to do like a book about being cranky while cooking with kids. Like I want all the pictures to be like kids, like driving you crazy and like I mean, you yeah. throwing flour at them. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to ask yeah. you, I totally forgot to ask you, like, what are your favorite recipe books? I mean, cookbooks, like yeah. what are the ones that you use and turn to totally. for an example? So, um, Usually I have, I'm in, I'm not in my home in Brooklyn right now. And usually I have them right above the desk. So if somebody asks me this, I can just look up, but I can't look up. Um, so I love, um, I think it's just called baking. It's a book of Dory's that came out quite a while ago. And I think she just calls it baking. That's one of my faves. Martha Stewart has a very early baking book. I think she just calls it baking. Another that's one a great one. Yeah. Is that the one that's right. orange and white? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that forever. Yeah. Yep. Um, I love um, Cooks Illustrated. So I love Baking Illustrated, which is another old one, also kind of orangey, mm -hmm. which is fabulous like baking book. I love, I have a very early King Arthur baking kind of Bible situation that I love. Um I love, I always worry I'm pronouncing her name wrong. It's called Bakewise. She also wrote Cookwise. She's a scientist named Shirley 
Coraher, I think it is like C-O-R-H-I-E-R. I've seen those books, yeah. Brilliant for like, if you're like, I had to do a tunnel of fudge cake for Madonado years ago and Shirley had a tunnel of fudge cake and it just taught me everything I had to know. Tunnel of fudge cake is like a, a Pillsbury Bake Off winning book from like the fifties, which is okay. literally one cake that has a, a center that is basically raw, like a chocolate uh, fudgy center. Yeah. Tunnel of fudge. So good. But um, honestly, t- t- Tunnel of Fudge just sounds <laughs> disgusting to me. Though. Like it sounds anatomical, <laughs> just the title. I mean, I, not to be too graphic, but it doesn't right. make I me hungry. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. Um, <laughs> but I think those are my faves. Like I'm picturing above my desk. I think that's what's above my desk. Well, it makes so much sense too. Like it's like, those are all like unpretentious, like straight to the point. They're not like, yeah. you know, 80 million steps. Um, like they're not or asking 80 you to- million ingredients that yeah. like that go to a specialty store to get, or, I mean, some of them have more processes than I like in my baking, but like what I always say, and what I say about this book dun, 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 yeah. is that I like, um, a simple, in, simple ingredient list and simple instructions. I, my eyes roll back. If I see like four components and I got to do one the night before, and then it's got to come to room temp. Then you got to whip. Well, yeah. I'm going to put a book on blast right now. You can just remain silent. So you don't get, you know, implicate yourself, but, um, Samin, uh, Nostrat recommended, I think on something of the, um, tartine baking book, yeah. uh, that she loves it. And so I yep. bought it recently just cause I, I love her taste and, oh my God, those recipes are like 18 pages long for like a cookie. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to cook from this. So that's yeah. how I feel. That's how I do love the tartine sourdough recipe. I have to oh, say yeah. when I make sourdough, I do. I think actually it's the kitchen adapted that yes. recipe yeah. and I use the one from the kitchen, but I exactly, Adam, I yeah. can't do it. It's too much. Even mm-hmm. though I love Samin too. And if she told me to buy something, if she told me to make something, I'd make yeah. it. But that I would not do it of my own volition. So what about, um, and we're, you know, you're being, you're being very generous with your time. So <laughs> thank you. We're almost at an hour. Okay. So um, what about weighing your ingredients versus using cups and yep. tablespoons? Because I know that's a big thing in baking. What, what are your thoughts about that? So I like everybody else really believe that it's more precise if you weigh people can, you can weigh so differently, like, you know, whether you're scooping your flour and so it's really packed or whether you're fluffing your flour, mm-hmm. or whether you're spooning your flour. So I really believe in weights for the, for the best, most precise uh, baking. And if you want your recipe to turn out the way the person who developed it mm-hmm. made their recipe turn out, you need to follow their weights, not their volume. The other thing is, Adam, and in some ways, like, I hope the baking police don't kill me for saying this, but the real, I love it even more because it means less cleanup Mm -hmm. and it means one bowl. And that to me is my most important thing is that I don't want to use a second bowl. I don't want to do dishes at the end of this. And if you are pouring your ingredients, particularly in my little assembly that I spoke about earlier, if you were using one bowl and starting with your wet ingredients and everything is being weighed, you will literally use nothing but that right. bowl, a whisk, and a spatula. That's so true. I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my friend Ben Mims. Do you know Ben? The, well, I mean, I don't read. I think I know of him. I think he yeah. knows of me, but yeah. So he has a whole thing about measuring flour um, that like, he doesn't like it when you scoop it, like you dip the half a cup scoop into the thing yep. and then level it off. He yep. uses a spoon yes. and then will like lift the flour out and then shake it into the measuring cup so yes. that it's lighter. What are your thoughts about that? Okay. That's very fastidious and probably, and, and perhaps accurate, 
My way is kind of a cheat on that, which is that I fluff yes. the flour with a scoop in yeah. the canister, then I scoop and then I level. I do not spoon in. Got it. But Got here's it. the thing also, like, so I've been baking for long enough that like my cup of flour is 130 grams. So mm. it doesn't even matter at this point how I am scooping this. That's what a, a Jesse Sheehan bakes recipe or Jesse Sheehan, I don't have to say bakes. I'm a Jesse, <laughs> a Jesse Sheehan recipe is going to have a flour that's 130 grams, which, you know, I think it's like a little bit more than King Arthur and maybe a little less than Cook's. Like I'm in the range. So right. as, as much as I appreciate that Ben does it that way, like there's, I think we all can have a little bit of range and probably be making baked goods that are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Like anywhere from like 125, I feel like to 135, probably works in most recipes well i do i do the ben method if i'm trying to make something lighter like if i'm doing like a fluffy cake or like a light cake it's like okay well i'll do the ben method because then i'll just be lighter but if i'm doing something a little denser um like a cookie or you know i'll just scoop it yep yep totally Totally. Okay. okay. Uh, last question and then you're off the hook um what are your biggest recipe pet peeves Oh, um you mean like somebody else wrote a recipe and it that annoys me yeah um well like an obvious one is really you have to be careful about the order of ingredients have to match the order in which you use those ingredients. Mm-hmm. I find that super annoying. I also, I have to say, I, I, I get annoyed when r- recipes are a little too skimpy in their instructions. Mm-hmm. I really do like being told what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I, well, I not, I don't, I said it like that's unusual. I really like it, Adam. Like in everything, (laughs) just tell me what to do and I will do it. Do not leave anything up. So I really like when, like Deb writes really involved recipes. I really love the way she Mm -hmm. writes her recipes. They're long, but she, you know, don't worry if it's curdled now. If you run your spatula around the edge and fold it over, you can probably get rid of the curdle. I dig that. I couldn't do it in this book because I was trying to keep my recipes pretty short. Mm-hmm. But where I can, I like it when somebody says, don't worry if. I appreciate that because uh-huh. I'm says, oh my God, the batter's too thin. I effed it up. So I think, I guess a pet peeve would be when people don't say enough. Right. Keep it really simple. I mean, it's funny because I, I just did a Gabrielle Hamilton recipe and uh-huh. I love her voice in her yeah. recipes. And she was talking about an artichoke. And she was saying like the way you make a picture bigger with your fingers on your phone is how you should separate the leaves of the artichoke. And I was like, that is brilliant. I love her. That is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I would not say I'm like, like super artistic and creative in how I create my directions, but I love reading that. But you have a great voice. I mean, you have your funny words that you say. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, I definitely have a voice. And I would say the other thing that it's, you know, it's funny, savory cooks have said to me, like, I'll say, how can they just say add salt? I really want to know how much to add or how can they just, I really like to be precise. And what it's actually a friend of mine who's a tester for the times. And she said, we don't tell you what to do if it's not going to ruin the recipe. If it's not, you know, you really have free, we only will tell you the amount Mm -hmm. if, if, if doing less or more is going to impact in a negative way. But if Mm -hmm. it's just salt to taste or pepper to taste, like that's because you, or, or this thing makes me crazy and all this is savory, but an onion slice, a large, I mean, onions, my (laughs) idea of a large onion is not Adam's idea of a large onion. Like that's every recipe. I mean, what, what, 
when more could they say like weigh you want them to weigh the yes, onion? I do. <laughs> a five I mean, pound I onion. <laughs> or I want them to say one cup of chopped onion. And then I can just do uh, yeah. That makes but sense. That's me, I think, not being a sophisticated savory chef. Because obviously that nobody's gonna say, like, put some cocoa powder in. <laughs> put a large amount of cocoa powder in. yeah that won't work okay i i lied to you and said that was my last question this is my real last question not, this okay. is a selfish question because i'll be yeah. traveling to new york a lot this summer yeah. um oh, what are your favorite so we can yeah. hang out let's okay. hang out okay um okay, what yeah. are your favorite bakeries in new york right now okay right now i mean this is kind of like um i always use this one but it really is my fave and i hope i'm not gonna majadar Bakery. Never heard of it. Yeah. Oh my know. God. I'm going to, we'll, we'll, I'll have to send you the link so that you can put it in the show notes okay. if you do show notes. Yeah. But, uh, and I might be mis, mispronouncing it, but it's a woman. Um, uh, her name, um, Umber is her first name. I forget her last name. She has a great story. I think she was a finance person in in a banking situation and maybe her bank was somehow she met Tom Caliccio and he. <laughs> through her work as a finance person, but she was always making baked goods for her client. I don't even understand. I'm probably bastardizing the story, but long story <laughs> short, I believe he helped um, start her first bakery, which is in the West Village, which is just delicious. delicious. Really? I was yeah. just in the West Village. I had no idea. I would have gone there. I was looking yes. for a pastry. I had no idea. Oh. So what, what are the things that you like that she makes there? Oh, my God. Well, to me, she makes everything. Like, her brownie is off the charts. Her chocolate chip cookie. It, mm. Again, it's her simple stuff, but it's the stuff I love. Like, oh my maybe God. she yeah. makes beautiful macaron, but I would never buy one because it's just not my jam. Yeah. But everything she touches, her chocolate cake, everything, Adam, is so delicious. Oh my God, I'm so hungry. Yeah. I just want to Google it because I don't want to say the name wrong, but there's a place in Brooklyn Heights. Oh, um, okay. Uh, which I think, let me just look at it quickly. Brooklyn yeah, Heights. Yeah, no, this is good. This is like real time, exciting research. Um, that people are seeing how you're fastidious and this is like an example of your recipe testing. Okay, here it is. L'appartement 4F. Um, and Easy for you to say. I know, right? Hello, <laughs> I sound, don't I sound so fancy? And no, I, I, I don't. That, that, those words did not go into my head because I don't. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to, I just sent you the link just so you'll okay. have it. But basically it's the word apartment in French. Okay. Oh, la part. Like, yeah. L'appartement. And then four F. I think it's probably, if I remember the story correctly, it's because their bakery began in their own apartment during uh, COVID. Now they actually have a space, but I just I love that. That's a great story. I emailed it to you and I'm going to email you the other one, Majadar. I think it's like M-A. Well, I always screw up the spelling, but I'll email that. All right. One. Well, we have a field trip scheduled for when I get to yes. New York. So yes, please. Let's go to La Partement 4F together. Okay. It's a deal. Okay, well, Jesse, okay. thank you so much for talking to me today. And everyone who's listening, um, you have to buy Snackable Bakes. Is there any any other message you want to tell our listeners about your book? Is there... No, just that it's an easy peasy. It's a hundred easy peasy recipes that have short ingredient lists and easy to follow instructions and ingredients that are already in your pantry. There's no running around town and everything can be assembled in 20 minutes or less, often less. And what should I make next? What's the one you want me to try now? Well, I have to say, right, if you like cookies, right now, the snickerdoodles are a mm. genius recipe over on Food 52. Oh, and cool. People okay. are going crazy for those. Okay, I love snickerdoodles. Um, so. And also the, the thick um, the thick and chewy sugar cookies are pretty good, too. Mm. Okay, I'm off to make them. All right, well, thanks, okay. Jesse. Have a Bye. great rest of your day. Bye. 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 Bye